0: Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where we highlight people and organizations who are doing great things and making a big difference in our community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. According to the National Pet Owners Survey, 67% of U.S. households, or about 85 million families, own a pet, including my household. In fact, I have two. So we thought it was important to highlight some organizations that care for and support our furry family members. My first guest today is Maggie Tate Tetman. Director of Organizational Development at the Humane Animal Welfare Society, or HAWS. Many of you may be familiar with HAWS because maybe you adopted an animal from there, or maybe you took some training classes, but you may not be familiar with some of the other things that they do. Well, you're going to have the chance today to learn more about that. So welcome to the show today, Maggie.
2: Thanks so much for having us today, Jill. We're really excited to be here and share more about HAWS and some of our wonderful partnerships in the community.
1: I'm excited to hear more. So, uh, tell us first, how did you become familiar with HAWS and eventually end up in this director role?
2: Sure. So about a decade ago, my husband and I adopted a rescue dog and very quickly realized he was a puppy at the time and very quickly realized that um, he had a lot of trauma in his past and realized that it was very much out of my husband and my newlywed wheelhouse tackle solo. Um, And we eventually found our way to Hawes and to the behavior department at Hawes and we to this day, will both very fondly talk about the fact that it was Haas that and the work from the behavior department that really solidified us as a family and solidified us in terms of being able to work together as a team and you know, really knowing what that is and how we need to how we need to care for something else together. Um, the dog that we adopted had a lot of anxiety, a lot of behavioral issues. And a lot of the places that we had asked about, Help from had suggested that we could just surrender the pet and that really was not an option for my husband and i um, and again so as we started working with dr mccullough from the behavior department at hawes she was coming into our home she was working with us on a one-on-one basis um, you know in varying settings but mostly our home to really help us rehabilitate the dog and certainly she was allowing us to you know, she was training our dog, but really she was also working so closely with my husband and I and really giving us the tools that we needed to support our dog, but also to support each other. And really, at the time I was working in social services and it just really made me realize, um, you know, what HAWS as an organization does and it gives a voice to animals that are in need and really like helping us find our voice for our animal and really helping us find our voice for us as a couple just made us both completely fall in love with the organization. In getting to know the organization, I was invited to join a a few committees where I was able to help, you know, organize different things for the shelter. And then just because I loved the organization so much, had always stayed in contact with them. And in September of 2018, as a result of a lot of growth the shelter is having, I was invited to join as a full-time staff member to help oversee some of that growth and help the organization move into the future, which is just such an honor given the impact that the organization has had on, on my path.
1: Yeah, well, and when you're passionate about something, and there's an organization that speaks to that passion, it's easy to get involved, right?
2: Doesn't really feel like a job then.
1: Right, <laughs> well, ideal. Um, share the, the HAWS mission.
2: So our mission, as you said, it's the Humane Animal Welfare Society, or more commonly known as, as HAWS. And, you know, that's a really, a common question that we get is what is a HAWS? And so I can tell you what, what, what is a HAWS? So um, at HAWS, we lead the community in animal welfare and we assure sanctuary for animals in need. So that obviously looks extremely, you know, it's a, it's a broad mission and we obviously are fulfilling many different roles to support community members, community pets through a variety of different facets.
1: Well, so elaborate then for us, you know, how do you accomplish that mission?
2: Sure. So um, each year we are supporting more than 8,000 animals and we are supporting more than 35,000 human beings. So we are offering a variety of service. I think a lot of people think of us as, oh, yep, we can go adopt an animal from there. And absolutely, that is a huge part of what we do. One of our primary goals is to get animals into forever homes. We wanna get pets in their forever homes. So obviously adoption is a huge piece, but then kind of, as I mentioned in my personal story as well, not only are we wanting to get pets into homes, but we want pets to stay in those homes. So we are both an open admission and a no kill shelter. And so what that really means is that as a shelter, we are offering sanctuary and support for um, any animal, regardless of their breed, their temperament, you know, their their background. We work with every single animal that comes through our doors, and in order to do that, you know, we certainly do all the time have very very happy animals. We have a um, three year old hound dog at home who is just the happiest guy, who is a HAAS alum. So we definitely get you know our fair share of very happy, just lovely animals, but we also get you know a higher a higher count of animals that do have higher needs. And in order for us to be both open admission and known kill, we need to have really strong programs in place. And so, you know, not only do we want animals to go out the door, we want them to stay with their families. And to that end, we are offering our behavior department services, which, again, is the the service that really just kind of made me realize what an absolute gem this organization is. But we are working with people individually, we're working with people in, you know, the training class session. Recently, we started a program where we are working with animals one on one um, community animals all day one on one to allow pets to put their best foot forward, but to give their owners, you know, all of the tools that they need in their tool belt to ensure um, a happy home for everybody for the life of the pet. We are also offering a lot of education programs for um, for youth so our founders back in the 60s really believed strongly in teaching youth about humane values and sentiments and really that that teaching kids that and giving kids those tools of compassion empathy responsibility kindness will make such an impact um, you know on our society moving forward and so you know back in the 60s it was relatively forward thinking It's a widely accepted practice now, um, but we have a lot of kids camps, a lot of year round programs that we're offering for kids to engage with that are giving them those tools to put in their toolkit while learning the activity through interaction with an animal. We offer a uh, no more bullying program that we partner on with school districts and we actually go into the classroom and are working with kids in classrooms with um, with a dog and we're able to really talk about what it's like to bully someone and what that means And, you know, when you relate it through an animal, it's like, would you, would you hit Billy on the bus? Well, maybe if Billy made me angry, like, well, would you hit Billy the dog? And the answer is, well, no, of course I wouldn't. And then you can kind of, when you come at it from that lens and we're really able to have the animal support as that teacher, it's amazing the connections that kids are able to make through that. So.
1: Well, and I think too, it, it teaches kids responsibility. I mean, how many of us have uh, given into a child who, you know, I think about the rabbit we adopted from Hawes or the guinea pigs or the hamsters, you know, oh, mom, you know, I'll take care of them, I'll take care of them. And, and they really need to understand what that means to care for someone other than themselves. And I think to, to have those classes is, is awesome. You know, I bet I could talk to hundreds of people who could tell us great stories about uh, how HAWS has impacted their family in some way, either through adoption or animal rescue, or maybe some of the other programs that you talked about. When we come back, Maggie's going to elaborate a little bit on how HAWS is having an impact in the community. We'll be back after commercial break.
0: Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Maggie Tate Heckman from Hawes. I know a number of people have been impacted by the services that Hawes offers, including my own family, since we've adopted a number of different pets over the years, as I said. Uh, Maggie, can you give us some idea of the impact you've seen? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. So as I mentioned earlier, we are supporting 8,000 pets on an annual basis. And I think that kind of our widest known services really do, um, do impact people from an adoption standpoint. We like to make people's days very, very happy by sending them home with a, with a forever family member and a forever friend. And obviously our education program um, makes a pretty significant impact in the community as well. But there's a couple programs that I think make a large impact in the community that were not ones that I was as familiar with either when I started at the organization. So we do have a spay and neuter clinic. So we are working with about 8,000 surgery cases on an annual basis. And we do have some really wonderful community partners that support us in those efforts as well. So we are working with our own shelter animals. But then also um, the community's animals, and we are able to make a pretty significant impact by offering services for individuals on a sliding scale basis. So we are able to make sure that their animal is um, getting the care that they need at a price point that they can afford. And it is a price point where it's not going to be um, insurmountable and really put them in a situation where they need to think about rehoming the animal because they can't afford it. And I think that's something that you know really we can all relate to. I think we all know that going, um, you know, that that caring for someone else, whether it's a child or a pet, comes with a cost. And we want to make sure, again, to my earlier point, that we're keeping pets with their people. Um, And again, we have some really phenomenal community partners that help us with that. I think about one animal in particular, he came to us through a rescue that we did from Puerto Rico. So we will do, we are recognized by the Humane Society of the United States as an emergency placement partner. So when areas are having an issue with, uh, it could be overpopulation. Oftentimes it is a very awful living situation, living condition for the animals. It can be a natural disaster. We will work with the Humane Society of the United States to bring those animals to Waukesha where we care for them and then are adopting them out into the community. We had a very wonderful dog come to us named Smiley who... um, when he was smiling, he was often putting things into his body that he should not be. He liked to, to eat balls. He liked to eat things like that. And he did actually have to have a couple emergency surgeries. He did have some actual medical conditions as well related to his legs. But we are able to take care of a lot of that in-house and we're able to support the community through spay and neuter initiatives. Um, at our clinic, but sometimes we do need to call on our incredible community partners to to help us in that regard. So that's one way that we're making an impact. You know, not only are we helping animals from you know really challenging situations, but we're also able to you know work together as a community in those cases. Another way that I was not aware of before I joined the organization, but is something that I think is just it's so impactful in our community is our safe Keep program. So we will work with individuals. We oftentimes will partner with Waukesha County, um, the Aging and Disability Resource Center and other individuals in the community for an individual that might be in crisis and they need care for their animal. We see it oftentimes with elderly individuals who will need to go and seek medical care and don't have anyone else to care for their animal while they are seeking that medical care. We've worked with um, the Women's Center before for domestic abuse situations where they need care. Someone needs care for an animal and that animal is, that pet is sometimes used as a barrier to leaving. So we are able to offer emergency boarding for a pet and care for them so that the individual is then able to go and take care of whatever it is in their life that, you know, they're dealing with what's in front of them. In um, doing so, without having to worry about their their pet, so we can provide that kind of ongoing crisis care, so they are able to take care of themselves while we take care of their pet, and then ensure that we are um, you know working towards reunification with with that family. So those are two of our you know I think those are two pretty significant areas of impact that I was not aware of before I actually started working at the shelter. And I don't think are things that the community immediately knows about, you know, when it comes to HAWS. And really, because we have been, you know, expanding and we have been, we're we're supporting more than 11,000 kids in our education programs every year. We are busting at the seams, which is a, it's a good problem to have, but we are looking at some expansion um, opportunities as well to continue to make that impact in the community.
1: Well, I know I was not aware of some of those programs you mentioned, so thanks for sharing that. But in terms of program expansion, you know, you've got some exciting things going on there. Can you elaborate a little bit on that?
2: absolutely so i know i mentioned our founders earlier in our conversation and we are just absolutely delighted to still have very strong ties with many of our founders or their family members we actually have you know among our founding members one of their daughters actually sits on our board of directors now and just being able to have that, um, that legacy component and something you know is so is so important to us. You know, is our mission. Being able to have people still involved that were so fundamental in that and really fundamental in paving the way for humane education in Waukesha County and really southeastern Wisconsin is something that's really meaningful. Among that meaning is a really incredible, generous gift from Mike and Jane Shallock, who were um, among our founding members of Pause. They actually um, have bequested the organization, a 77 acre horse farm in the Delafield area that was their private residence. There is a large arena, there's multiple ponds. There is a lot of opportunity here at the Hawes-Shallick Center for animals. And Mike and Jane from very early on always had it in their plans to, um, to leave their property to Hawes so that Hawes can continue to expand on um, those principles of humane education and offering sanctuary for animals in need. So we actually are in we broken ground, and we are very excited to be building out the infrastructure to um, fully launch in spring and summer of 2021, We will be offering year-round education opportunities for kids, as well as expanding our humane education programs to engage with schools on a year-round basis as well through not only working with animals, but also engaging with nature. I think that, you know, just getting out and taking a breath of fresh air, you know, makes a huge difference in a kid's day and an animal's life and working with uh, making sure we have some Programs in place for families as well to ensure that we are kind of meeting everyone's needs and group size um, and making sure that everyone can access this beautiful facility in a meaningful and in a way that makes sense for them. Um, we were also we will also be expanding all of our training programs out here, so we will be offering more training programs for pets and their people, different training programs for pets and their people, and really wanting to make an impact in, in the community, offering, you know, some um, respite for animals that need a break, maybe they're not doing as well in the shelter, maybe they don't like the shelter environment, and getting them out to run in one of the beautiful pastures. There's really little that makes any of us at Haas happier than watching, you know, an animal just absolutely run and frolic and romp out here at the Shalik Center. So we're very excited about the opportunity for the community that's to come.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see where that goes and and all the different ways that you're uh, able to make a difference in that area and, and beyond. So you said fall of next year?
2: We, um, we are looking at kind of spring and summer of 2021, so a little bit sooner. We're starting to, you know, engage with some of our stakeholders in fall of 2020, and we are very excited to um, start offering more programs out here in spring and summer of 2021.
1: Okay. Well, you offer so many things to our pet-loving community. What, what would you say that we could offer you? You know, what, what is your greatest need?
2: That is a great question. We do have on our website hawspets.org. We do have a running list of our of our needs in the shelter because they do change based on you know what we is an open admission shelter. Sometimes we have peacocks. Sometimes we have donkeys. Sometimes we have an overabundance of cats. So it really does change. So we make sure that we keep our wish list updated, on an ongoing basis. But I also think you know from a just from a standpoint of community information we want to make sure that we're a resource for people so the more that people can share our mission and share share the story of the organization and what we offer people the better because we want to be here to support pets and their people well any
1: any everything that you said is great stuff again for us pet loving people you know we love to hear about how organizations that care for our our furry friends are successful. You know, any any last words you want to leave for our listening audience?
2: Just that we are so grateful to be such a huge part of the Waukesha County community. And really, you know, we are so proud to support pets and their people. And we're looking forward to a really bright future. And we invite people to join us um, in that in that adventure.
1: Okay, well, give us contact information. It's probably pretty easy, hawes.org, right?
2: So we are actually Hawes Pet org. Oh,
1: okay. Okay. Well, good thing I asked. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and people can always, you know, give us a call at the shelter to 262-542-8851. And again, visiting us, you know, we have, we're on Facebook. We're Haas Walkshaw on Facebook. Visiting our website as well at haaspets.org is a great way to stay connected.
1: All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you for joining us today, Maggie, and sharing your love of pets and all the wonderful things Haas does.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for having us.
1: You're welcome. Well, community partnerships, as Maggie discussed, they're indeed so important to rounding out good quality services. There are many people in the pet industry that couldn't do what they do, quite frankly, without the help of the organization that we're going to learn more about next. So stay tuned to find out who they are after the break.
0: You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. I don't know if any of you have ever had a pet emergency, but if you have, you know how emotional and scary it can be. I have had two such instances over the last 10 years, and I'm happy to say that they both had great outcomes, due in large part to the care and the compassion and the talent of the people at WVRC. My guests today are Beverly Klug, Senior Referral Relations Specialist, and Dr. Carrie Severson, Medical Director at the Wisconsin Veterinary Referral Center, or WVRC. Welcome to the show today, ladies. Thank you. We're excited. I'm excited to share all the great things that you guys do. In my first experience with WVRC, it was an emergency situation that happened later in the evening, and we needed immediate emergency care. My second experience was more of a situation where we needed advanced care over and above what our vet could provide. So we've experienced two very different scenarios, one where our vet was part of the process and one where they were not. And as I said before, both with great outcomes, which is awesome. Uh, Beverly, can you tell us how WBRC is different than from a family vet practice?
3: Definitely. Um, first of all, I'd just like to say that Wisconsin residents are very fortunate to have so many talented family veterinarians in the area that a lot of them do a lot of amazing work and don't ever need to come and see us. But for those that have um, either a, a smaller practice or don't have as extensive training in certain areas, we are there for them, as a, as you mentioned, as an emergency clinic, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Um, and then we also do have specialists on hand that take care of things that like a human would go to their specialist for. If you have trouble with your eyes, you go to an ophthalmologist. If you have trouble with your heart, you go to a cardiologist. We have all those same specialists at WVRC. And so I think we have like 13 different specialties at WVRC, uh, ranging from uh, a specialized anesthesiologist, dental specialist, as I mentioned, a cardiologist, ophthalmologist, a neurologist. So any ologist that you would need to go to for yourself, we also take care of that for your dog and cat.
1: And you also have a dermatologist, right? And a
3: dermatologist, right. So allergy issues, we can help you with that too.
1: Yeah. If your dog suffers from acne, you can take them. to Yes. <laughs> or like skin rashes and uh, allergy type things, I would imagine. But exactly. You know, the, the emergency and specialty vet hospitals that you deal with. Um, help us to understand that in greater length.
3: Well, um, As you mentioned, having an emergency yourself, they never come, the emergencies never come at two o'clock in the afternoon when your family vet's available. It comes at two o'clock in the morning or on a holiday or on a weekend. Um, So we have around the clock care for you, not only in an ER capacity, but also in a critical care uh, capacity. So if there's any monitoring of your pets that need to be done overnight, we have people there 24 hours a day to be able to make sure that they're getting their fluids, they're getting their medications, they're getting their vitals checked. So they have the best care possible while they're in in the care of our doctors. Our ER right now is probably seeing more pets than ever, um, just simply because at the time of the year, people are out and about doing things with their pets. Um, more people are home because of vacations, things like that, and they're looking at their pet and going, "Oh, what's that lump? I never saw that lump before." Or, "Oh, it looks like my dog is limping. What you know? What's what's going on there?" So summer tends to be a very busy time for us.
1: And aren't you part of a larger organization also where you partner with like 25 vet hospitals across the country?
3: We do. So we were an independently owned uh, veterinary hospital and just recently we merged with Ethos Veterinary Health. Um, And as you mentioned, they have 25 veterinary hospitals throughout the country. The nice thing about now becoming a part of a larger organization is we now have access to a larger network of experts in our field. So if our doctors have questions, they can, you know, call up another ophthalmologist in our network and say, what are we doing? Have you seen this situation before? Or what's the newest technology on this? We share best practices. We work together um, to advance the science of veterinary medicine across all capacities. So it's really nice being able to be a part of that larger organization.
1: Absolutely. Well, I understand that HAWS and WVRC work together on some of the animals that need extra medical care. How, How long have you guys been working together?
3: Our partnership was established about 35 years ago um, and has been built on a mutual trust and understanding about each other's services and and personnel and capabilities are. Um, HAWS has their own medical staff to handle most of their needs, but WVRC provides emergency and specialty care when HAWS doesn't have the equipment or the expertise to manage that. In addition to working uh, on a medical basis with them, we also support HAWS by sponsoring and participating in many of their events throughout the year. And a lot of our uh, employees tend to volunteer and help out at the shelter as well.
1: Nice. Well, you, you work with other nonprofits as well, right?
3: We do. And that's one of the, the most exciting parts of my job is being able to go out and help the community through these nonprofit organizations. So just to give you an idea of a couple of the ones that we've worked with, in addition to um uh, Winston's Wishes, which is a very close uh, organization to my heart. It's a brand new dog sanctuary, and they're working hard to help dogs that may not necessarily have the ability to be adopted out because they're considered a bully breed or they're considered difficult to train or any other issues that they might have. So Winston's Wishes takes them in and helps to add additional training to their routine or to find better homes for them in the community. So there that's an awesome nonprofit. We also work with Madic, uh Elmbrook Humane Society, Washington County Humane Society, Kindred Kitties and Aware, which is a, a much larger group, they have a huge event usually in February um, at Great Lake. It's Great Lakes Pet Expo, where any you could find any animal, any item that you would ever need for your pet. So they do a lot of great work too. We also work with the U- Wisconsin Humane Society, not only sponsoring events, but we also um, provide a first aid and CPR class for them on a quarterly basis, in which they open up to the public. So we can help pet owners understand, you know, what they can do in, in the case of an emergency. Not, obviously, they're not going to be performing surgery on their pets, but we can tell them how to take care of their pets so they can get them to us in the best way possible, keeping everybody safe. Um, we do, a, like I said, a little bit on CPR so they know what would happen if their dog stops breathing, things like that. The I
1: biggest thing would be something that I should look into until you brought this to my attention. What a very, yep. that is such a cool class. I mean, we go to CPR classes to help a human in distress. Why would we not right. have time for our, our furry family member? Right.
3: And the biggest thing we stress there is to make sure that you know what's normal for your pet. So what, what does your pet normally look like when he's breathing normally? What does, your, what does his gums look like? You know, how does he just physically look like on a regular basis so that you know when something is off? And that's the biggest thing for people to know.
1: And then um, you have something
3: called Puppy Up. Oh, Puppy Up, yes. Uh, The last few years, uh, Dr. Worth, one of our oncologists, connected us with uh, Puppy Up, which is a national foundation um, that raises money and awareness for comparative cancer research. So they look at how cancer is developing in both humans and pets and uh, try to find treatments to help both of them. So that was a huge event. Uh, the last few years we've raised over $80,000 uh, to help with the research for that. Unfortunately this year our event got canceled, our live event, but they are doing it as a virtual event. So if you go to puppyup slash Waukesha, you will be able to find how you can help out on a virtual basis.
1: Wonderful, that sounds like a great, uh, a great program as well. I imagine you get to see firsthand all these wonderful things that WVRC is doing. What do you think is one of the most interesting things about WVRC
3: well uh, along with you not realizing that you would need to know CPR for your pet I never realized that you would need to donate blood for dogs and cats not you personally obviously your dog and cat does the blood donation that was one of the coolest things that I learned when I first started working at WVRC and we are always looking for uh, pets to come and donate so dogs and cats between the ages of 1 and 8 dogs need to be over about 50 pounds cats over about 10 pounds you know, just having a real demure attitude, you know, kind of laid back, bring them in and we'll test them. We do all the testing that you would normally need to do on an annual basis with your pets, you know, the blood tests and all that to make sure that your pets are healthy. And then there's about three or four different blood types that we can actually use from a dog. So if you fall within one of those, then we ask you to sign on to be a blood donor for at least two years. Um, We ask that you be available to donate blood if there's an emergency, but at least come in at least eight every eight to 10 weeks mm. so it's just like human blood donation it's it's very fulfilling the dogs get treats we treat them like they're a superhero and um you get about a 700 hundred dollar annual savings and all of the the tests and things that you would normally get done for your pet anyway you get that on an annual
1: basis so
4: wow we do consider them superheroes and, and all the families of the pets that they donate to are grateful
1: And I I bet most people, me included, are not aware of all the different ways WBRC provides care. I certainly was not aware of the blood donor program and something you just don't think about, right? Stay tuned. And when we return, we're going to talk with Dr. Carrie Severson about specialized treatment. So we'll be back in a
0: moment. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking in this segment with Dr. Carrie Severson, Medical Director at the WVRC, to wrap up our show today. So I'm sure, Dr. Severson, you see a lot of different medical situations. Um, What are some of the most common reasons people would bring their pets to the ER? Uh, You're right. We definitely see
4: a lot of reasons that people will come in. Uh, Probably the most common would be the pets that ingest something that they shouldn't. Uh, They're either chewing on something they've found. They're interested in something that their owner has. They're bored. They're finding something to get into. Uh, It might be plants inside, plants out in the yard. Socks, uh, other small pieces of clothing, small toys, uh, occasionally big toys, that are chewed up. This time of year, corn cobs, uh, now that corn is in season. Wooden skewers that either have food on or used to have food on them are attractive for dogs. Uh, But we've seen batteries, carpet, rugs, you name it, and we've probably seen it. Uh, Besides that, I would say we we do have a seasonal nature to the ER where spring and summertime we'll see an increase of maybe heat exhaustion or heat stroke, uh, patients that are hit by a car, uh, bite wounds uh, between dogs, between wild animals and dogs, uh, cats fighting outside, other what I like to call recreational injuries uh, from the outdoor season. And then in the fall and the winter, then we we think of kind of in Wisconsin, uh, it's mouse and rat poison goes out. So dogs will get into that. Uh, Antifreeze is more readily available. You've got the holiday decorations. You've got the holiday food. Uh, So when people are celebrating uh, with their families, dogs tend to do that as well. Whether they find it in the garbage, grab it off the counter. Uh, They like to indulge just as much. We'll also see in the winter hypothermia issues with either pets on thin ice or just slipping on the ice and the the winter recreational injuries that happen if families are sledding with their pets, uh, skiing, snowmobiling, all those things. If the pets are around, uh, sometimes they, they get into troublesome situations. Happens all the time. So, you know, year round gastrointestinal issues, kidney problems, liver problems, cancer emergencies, seizures, uh, all of those things.
1: Well, I had a Springer who had a a love of chocolate. And so uh, one time I made a two dozen chocolate chip cookies and had them placed far back on the counter. And we left for some reason, came back and all of them were gone, but one. She she left one there for the family to share. What would you say is the most unusual case you've seen?
4: You know, every year I think uh, that nothing will surprise me of what like somebody will get into and do, but I do have some some favorites, but a, a case that I love, I had a little 12 month old golden retriever, uh, your family had just gotten her really cute little puppy, just started vomiting acutely for them. So came into the ER and uh, as usual, when we're worried about the, getting into something, uh, we recommend that they take some x-rays. Well, this little puppy, we didn't even need the x-ray. So our, our nurses had positioned the pet for the x-rays, and as soon as they turned her on her back, they could see a, r- a red blinking light coming out of her belly. So because she was so little, her skin was so thin, you could actually see a red light blinking. And I told them, I said, well, I think we know the problem what did you have that was blinking in the house <laughs> It turned out to be a, a little plastic frog toy from the bathtub.
1: Oh my gosh. Wow. So
4: that, that's a favorite. I, I, I love that one. And, and a great outcome for, for, her. And I
1: hope she learned her lesson. We never saw her back that I know of. That's, that's good. That's good. What, uh, what kinds of things do people bring their pets to a specialist for? Really
4: with the advancements that we have in veterinary medicine, You can see our, you know, board-certified specialists in veterinary medicine the same as you would in human medicine. So if your dog has cataracts, you can bring them to the ophthalmologist. If your cat has thyroid disease, you can come in to an internal medicine specialist. You know, if I said, does does your 13-year-old lab uh, have a heart murmur but still need his teeth cleaned? Well, then we have our anesthesiologist who can work together to put together a specialized anesthetic plan with our cardiologist and our dentist to make sure that everything goes as smooth and quickly as possible. And we love that kind of collaborative care uh, between our doctors. That's one of the benefits of having a a larger group of specialists working together.
1: And I, I know firsthand, as I mentioned, the wonderful work that you guys do, because I had two instances in the last two years, um, with great outcomes. You know, I just, with people that knew that we were going to be interviewing you, were so excited because we have uh, one of the gals in our office, Pam Peterson, who is the friendly voice that you see at the front desk. Her and her uh, beloved Gus would come to see the ophthalmologist and she swears by the services you provide. She said the ophthalmologist doctor was able to give her a good four years more than she may have uh, not had otherwise and uh, again I just think about the the awesome care that we received where we were getting calls at night about the the status of of either Livy or Indy our, our two dogs that were there um, you know first thing in the morning at six seven o'clock they're calling us giving us a status update just the, the stories that I have heard with people that have used your services have just been tremendous do you guys only work with dogs and cats, or do you treat other animals too? On a day-to-day basis, we really do focus on
4: treating dogs and cats, uh, but we do have the occasional exotic pet emergency, and we also have a close relationship with the Milwaukee County Zoo, and while they have their, their own staff veterinarians, uh, and they do have a veterinary hospital at the zoo, if they need uh, kind of some, some advanced imaging or some additional specialty help, uh, our hospital helps them out, so we will do ultrasounds for them. We'll do, do CT scans, MRIs, and uh, our board-certified surgeons will lend their expertise sometimes on their zoo animals, where you know, it's a surgery that their veterinarians don't usually perform, or honestly, the ours don't either. But they work collaboratively in a species that maybe everybody doesn't know as much about, and those are exciting things for our our staff uh, to be able to see. You know, over the years, we've had we've had their tiger cubs in. Uh, we've had Lemurs, spider monkey, uh, a kangaroo, the, the tortoises come in oftentimes for CTs uh, to get through the shell because you can't take good x-rays.
1: We've
4: had a cheetah in the hospital. And, and I would say that, you know, helping the zoo, you know, for us, it, it's kind of that similar satisfaction to our hospital teams, just like we help haws out uh, in organizations like that. The, the zoo animals just come a little more curiosity, uh, a little bit more kind of a, a buzz factor for
1: everybody. I imagine. And you guys have quite the staff there. I mean, you have a number of doctors and specialists. So if, if someone is having an issue, you know, you need to to check out WVRC because they have somebody that, that can help you with whatever it is you're struggling with. We've all heard about the impact that COVID has had on human hospitals. Has there been any impact on veterinarian hospitals?
4: Absolutely. Uh, you know, WVC, like all veterinary hospitals and haws as well, you know it has been impacted by what we do from a client standpoint, uh, what we have from the same PPE and uh, equipment that everybody else in, in the human medical field has to deal with. Our, our gowns, our gloves, our supplies, some of the, the medications that we use, we, we've definitely had an impact in that regard. In, in addition, when COVID first hit from a safety, standpoint to try to make sure that our hospitals stay open so that we can continue to treat the pets that are having these urgent problems. We we adopted a curbside service. It does unfortunately prevent the majority of our clients from entering the hospitals with their pets, which I know is traumatic for clients. Uh, I always want to assure them that their pets are really being taken excellent care of and They don't always miss their owners as much as we think they do. They get the extra loving care from our staff, Uh, but but it definitely, it has an impact. And, and, you know, to us, the the overriding goal is that we want to be able to stay open, have our staff stay healthy so that we can continue to care for everybody's pets.
1: And along those same lines of staying open and being able to continue your services and the wonderful work that you do, what would your call to action be for our listeners? I, I would say from uh, on
4: a COVID standpoint, like, like many businesses, uh, patients with everybody. Unfortunately, as an emergency hospital, we just have an unprecedented amount of cases coming in the, the door. So not only pets that just need our services, but we know that some of our referring hospitals in the area from local veterinarians, they have similar issues that sometimes they have staff, sometimes they don't. More people have adopted pets. People need to get in. And so we we do have longer wait times than we historically have. We always need to treat the most kind of life-threatening and most critical patients first. So for those people that don't have something that's as urgent, we say, please be patient. You know, if if your pet doesn't have to be seen, unfortunately, sometimes you are gonna have to wait. And it can sometimes be several hours at the emergency uh, rooms in the area now. We ask for everybody's patience
1: for sure in, in that regard. Um, okay. All right. Well, We've come to the close of the show, and unfortunately, we don't have more time. I'd love to be able to have you elaborate more because this is a topic that so very interests me. But if if people want to learn more about WVRC, where would they go to get more information?
3: People can go to our website, which is wvrc.com. That will give you the most information. It has our phone number on it. Uh, we do have three locations, Waukesha, Grafton, and Racine, and you can get to any one of our locations uh, from our website. Uh, and the phone number that's listed there.
1: Well, thank you, Beverly Klug and Dr. Carrie Severson from the Wisconsin Veterinary Referral Center, and also Maggie Tate-Hetcom from Hawes. Thank you for sharing your love of animals and for all that you do for our fur babies. If you're an animal and pet lover like I am, I got to think you learned about some really great things on the show today. My call to action for you is to go out and share that information and resources with others. When you come across something that you think could make a difference in the life of someone else, whether that's human or animal, share it. Don't keep it to yourself. Information is meant to be shared. As a commentary on the book of Deuteronomy says, in vain have you acquired knowledge if you have not imparted it to others. And one other tidbit I'd like to impart that I actually learned when I interviewed the Wisconsin Humane Society and Lost Dogs of Wisconsin is that if your pet is chipped, which is highly recommended, have your vet scan the chip at least once a year to make sure that it registers correctly. It's a simple thing to do that can make a big difference in emergency situations. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today, you can reach out to the individuals interviewed Or you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or call our office at 262-691-3200. Tune in Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on News Talk 1130 WISN or newstalk1130.com on your computer or on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. You can visit our ellenbecker.com website to listen to other guests share their stories. Or you can listen on demand now at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. If you'd like to tell your story and have people hear about the great work that you do, reach out to me and we can talk about being a guest on the show. Thank you for listening today to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where we like to share and highlight the important work people are doing and how they're contributing to making our community a caring, compassionate, and thriving place to live and work. Think about how you can do the same. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great day.